You're listening to the Luke Page Podcast, and in today's episode, Courtney, my wife, is joining for this one, joining me for this one, and this one's and Louis also here. Louis, give us a little squawk, squawky, squawky, squawk. That's him. That's him sucking the dummy. This one is all about our pregnancy journey. Welcome to the Luke Page Podcast. I am here to inspire people to live a life that they love. It's why I do what I do. Join me on the pursuit of my life's vision and my own business success through meeting amazing business owners, entrepreneurs, and forward-thinking people that are here to make impact and change the world. All right. I'm back. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that yet? You can say anything you want. <laughs> We're back. Or she's saying she's back. <laughs> I'm back. We're back. We're back. This is there's there's two in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Courtney Page podcast, by the way. We're renaming the podcast name. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, um, guess what? It's uh, it's the 31st of March. Happy birthday to dad. Um, yeah, happy birthday, Ron. And it's, um, what is it, two and a half weeks. Louis's been, Louis was born on the 14th 17, of March. So 17 days, I think, is it? Yeah. 17 days old. So our boy's here, Louis Ron Page. He's actually sitting right next to us. He's asleep. So this will be um, a test to see if he stays, stays asleep while we're recording a podcast. But that's the great thing about newborns is they um, they just tend to sleep wherever you put them. Um, and life's as normal when it comes to, um, you know, making noise and everything like that. There he is. He's, he's up already. Thanks, mate. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, we did a, we did a podcast um, on our journey to falling pregnant. We did that a couple of months ago. And um, it ended up being like our highest downloaded podcast ever. So I thought, you know Super what, exciting. you want to continue a good thing. So I thought I'll get Courtney back on to um, continue the journey of this um, and do like a little bit of a series. So uh, an exciting announcement, what I'm going to be adding into the podcast moving forward is um, a like a parenthood series. Now that we're parents, um, it's a big part of my life. I'm going to be speaking a lot about it. Um, and you know, ultimately what I'm here to do is I help people and coaches grow their business, online business. Um, but I mean, a a part of, I know people, you may just be like, Oh, what do you want? Well, I want to build a successful business, but that's not what people want. Because if let's just say that, you know, you build a successful business and that gave you all the money and freedom to do what you want, but then, you know, your health sucked. So you weren't healthy. I had no health and then you had no, your relationship with your partner sucked or your kids, whatever it is. So it's not the successful business that you actually are wanting. That's just a part of it all. Um, and for me personally, as I've grown up, my business mentors, I've got probably um, probably like a handful of key people that have influenced me in life and in business and not one of them, yeah, even though they were amazing at, say, uh, business, some sort of sold a business, not one of them. Uh, led in all areas in life, these key, these key main areas. So for example, one business owner that I'm thinking of right now, I've learned so much from this person, but their health was terrible, right? And I think as leaders, 
know, our we have a responsibility. This is my belief. We, are, we have a responsibility. Um, our audience look to us, and we are a major influence on their life. And I have been influenced by people through my life so much to the point that you start modeling them. And this is the dangerous thing about being someone that's in a, a position of influence. Mm. If you've got a business leader there where they're like, they're, you know, they've got a successful business or anything like that, but say, for example, their health sucks. Well, what message are you putting out to your audience? You're basically mm-hmm. saying, hey, build a business at the detriment of your health. So that's not what I want to be about. Yeah, ultimately and primarily, primarily I'm here about um, helping you grow your business, but you also always hear a consistent message of health from me. And um, now that I'm, a, I'm an official parent, even though you know I was previously with Sunny, our dog, but now to a, a, an official parent to a human, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about a lot more about parenthood. Why? Because a huge part of my life and a lot of my audience also either have kids or I think majority of people want kids at some stage in their life. Not everyone, one of my good mates, uh, isn't that is not interested in having kids and that's cool but most people want to build a family yeah so um yeah we're going to be talking more about parenting and releasing a parenthood series um and basically how the parenthood series is going to go <laughs> down is that as courtney and i go through these phases and stages in louis life we're going to basically Ooh. reflect have you have you formally announced oh you did sorry ignore me everyone knows louis name <laughs> Everyone knows Louie's name. Um, so as we go through these stages and phases, we're going to kind of look back and reflect on that stage and phase and go, sweet, what really worked well for us? And this is one thing I always teach my clients is that, you know, in business, you always look back each single week, what went well, what didn't go well. Every month, every quarter, every six months, every year, always reflecting and looking back and going, what went well, what didn't work well, Yeah. And I basically do it in every area of my life. So, you know, the same thing. We're going to be doing the same approach with our parenting with Louie and going, sweet, what went well in that phase? What didn't work well? And then we're going to share it with you. Now, what we share is all we're doing is sharing our story. Now, when it comes to parenting, it's such a, an area where you definitely can't just write one book with one set of instructions. Why? Because everyone's situations and environments are so, 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 so different. So it's not like this is a, um, an instructional how to be a parent because, for one, we haven't mastered parenthood yet. We're yeah, bloody new to much it. learning. <laughs> We're beginners. All it is is sharing our story and, um, you know, if, whether you're a parent or whether you're an expected parent or whether you want to be a parent in the, in, in the future, you can come here and kind of listen to our story, take what you want and leave what you want. Yeah, I always talk about that, you know, my, my position and my stance on health say the same thing. I do some things that um, are a little bit alternative thinking and they're not for everyone, but it's just kind of like whatever I share, take what you want, leave what you want. So technically, this is going to be the second episode of the Parenthood Series. We already started the Parenthood Series a month ago with our journey to falling pregnant. We just didn't know it. Um, But now this is the second episode of the Parenthood series officially. And we're just going to go through, well, we've done our journey to falling pregnant. Yeah. Now it's our journey, (laughs) our pregnancy journey. (laughs) (laughs) We were, um, I hope that didn't clip when we we were setting up our levels for our mics and I talk a lot louder than Courtney, so I've got to turn my mic down on that last episode that we recorded together. 
I was distorted because we had our levels at the same level, but because I talk louder, I was distorted and Courtney wasn't. So we're getting our levels and our mics uh, good before. And I said to Courtney, I go, Tell, give me your loudest noise that you're going to make. And then she said, <laughs> so that, who back there? That's the max you're going to get. Max decibels that you'll get out of me. It's the max, max decibels. Sweet. So um, let's start. So, yeah, this is, we're, we're, this is what we're going to be doing. We've done the um, journey to falling pregnant. We're going to be doing our pregnancy journey, which is basically like, okay, we've fallen pregnant. Courtney's fallen pregnant. Up until... I'm thinking like um, maybe his due date. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then what we're going to do is another episode, which is going to be the birth journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then another episode, which is going to be like the fourth trimester. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what the fourth trimester is, I didn't know, but now I do. Now they're going through it. Fourth trimester is basically like, is it is it the last, the next three months after birth? Yes. Yeah. So um, we're in it now. We're in it now. So we, yeah. we, we, I mean, we, not really in the best position to comment about the um, fourth trimester just yet because we're in it and we're kind of going through it. We're only two and a half weeks in, so we're going to give that a little bit more time. Um, but we've gone through pregnancy, we've gone through birth, so we can do some some episodes on that. So with this one, basically, I want to give you a bit of a snapshot without going to the details of the birth itself. Now, basically, Courtney had a a great birth, a really awesome birth. Now, this is our first time, so we don't know. We don't know if we got lucky. Um, we don't know if this was a fluke. <laughs> Let's hope not. All <laughs> we can go by, yeah, this is kind of what we did, yeah. which added up to a great birth, mm-hmm. yeah? And we don't, we don't know if we could repeat this. So until we have a second and third kid, we don't have evidence that what we've done has equaled to a great birth. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the midwives literally said that that birth was perfect. They said that, you know, there's a couple of young ones in and they said, when I have a kid, that's the birth that I want. Yeah, that's so, really sweet. They said dream birth. Dream birth. Yeah. So that was, you know, for the first beautiful time. beautiful to hear. <laughs> it's you know, for the first time us going through that and especially Courtney. Um, you know, births are really intense thing. Uh, so to hear that and go through it for our first time, we're just like sick. So yeah, we can't say that we can't say until we have our second and third. And look, if we go through a second and third and have this same type of birth, then we can, you know, we have more evidence to go, hey, look, we've got a we've got a structure and plan of what we did here, which adds up to this. So right now we're just really sharing our story. We don't know if we fluked it or not, but we're just going to share kind of what Courtney did and what we did together. So yeah. Louis was born on March the 14th. Courtney had a drug-free birth. Um, nothing at all. No, no, not even gas. She put a, she had a TENS machine, which is like a little thing that goes, what's the TENS machine? Lifesaver. If you are pregnant, thinking of falling pregnant, hoping to be pregnant at one stage, add a TENS machine to your birth list um, and labor bag. Uh, it is incredible. It basically just, it's these four pads that position on your lower back and it sends like um, electric pulses. And then you can kind of boost those when you're having a contraction and it gives you something to focus on um, to hopefully alleviate some of the pain that you're feeling uh, elsewhere in the body as you're experiencing a contraction. And it's something you can control. Obviously labor, everything is out of your control but you can push that button you control the strength and that gives you something 
to to work through each contraction. And for me, I just love that machine. We didn't actually get it working until my contractions were about under three minutes apart. So um, when I needed it, I really needed it, but uh, I loved it. It was amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be revealing, um, telling like all the details of the actual birth, um, including labor mm-hmm. in the birth episode. This one's about pregnancy. So um, I just wanted to kind of start with the end there just to kind of go, hey, look, Courtney had a really great pregnancy. Um, and I mean, that's what every probably mum wants, right? Absolutely. And every partner wants that type of pre- pregnancy and birth. So we're now going to go back through some things that Courtney did, we did along the journey of pregnancy. Um you just kind of start where everyone i've got like a few things i've written down mm-hmm. this is more courtney's domain of course like she did 99 percent of it so there's probably going to be more of courtney talking throughout all this i've just typed down a few points that i've remembered along the way and i'm just going to kind of chime in whenever i feel necessary so you just mm-hmm. start wherever you want wherever you want to go and then i'll kind of just you know ask you questions then. okay well um First up, the human body is just absolutely amazing. I'm just laughing because you look like a midget. You I do. Yeah, I do. You're, you're, you're hearing this. You can't see the video. What we do is we actually record audio and video to this because we just take a um, we take like a a thirty second, one minute preview, and then I put it on the IG stories just to kind of um, show a video snippet of it. But we're recording the whole thing. But yeah. Courtney just looks like a little gnome next to me. So I've got a very <laughs> short torso, which comes into play actually in pregnancy. Um, I have a short torso, but really long legs. So when I sit on a chair next to Luke, I look, I look like a gnome. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> for those that can't see, just envision me with a little gnome hat sitting next to Luke. <laughs> um, so yeah, pregnancy was amazing. Um, the human body is just mind blowing, isn't it, Louis? And what you experience throughout pregnancy is just wild. Um, So I guess you had to start from the beginning. The first trimester is like having the worst hangover of your life for 24 hours a day for 16 weeks straight. Um, That's at least how I felt. But within all of that, there are so many other emotions and feelings and experiences that you go through. Um, just quickly with trimester, my job here is to kind oh, of jump in yeah. with, because I'm Prompters. a dude, yeah, and I didn't know this stuff. And whether you're a guy or a girl, you know, if, if um, you know, if you kind of been through this, you know, this stuff, but going into, it, I didn't know this. So just so you know, trimester is a period of three months. So generally you're pregnant for um, nine months, roughly. 10 actually, well, it's 40 weeks, which is closer to 10 months. 40, yeah, technically. Yeah. Um, so let's just going to stuff up my trimester. Sorry. Again. What do we say that? <laughs> well, first trimester <laughs> is from basically week zero to week 12. Uh, and then second trimester is 13 weeks to 27 weeks. And then third trimester is 28 weeks to 40 weeks. Um, and then technically from 37 weeks, you are considered 
term. So if you were to go into early labor from 37 weeks, your baby is fully developed. Their lungs have developed, which is the last organ to develop in the body, and they would be able to breathe on their own. So anything from 37 weeks, they basically say, get ready. Baby could arrive and they would be safe um, and they would be unlikely to need special care um, if they were to arrive early. That's kind of your pregnancy trimesters in a nutshell. So would you say that the first trimester for you was the worst? Hardest. hardest? Yeah, definitely. Because the hormones are absolutely surging from, from, um, from a point of view of maybe having the most risk slash, uh, where you need to really, really nurture your body and look after yourself is the first and the third trimester. The second trimester, they're kind of happy and they're growing, but their risks do increase in the first and the third. So the first trimester, obviously you're growing your baby. They are doing the most rapid growth in those first, I think it's the eight to 12 weeks. Um, and that's when usually morning sickness, which i like every other woman that has experienced pregnancy, have zero idea why it's called morning sickness. It should just be called pregnancy sickness. It's there all the time. Uh, I actually had really bad night nausea, so I would feel relatively okay in the mornings and then kind of nauseous all day, but then from about 6 p.m. at night, I would just spend 6 p.m. till 6 a.m. in bed uh, eating Vegemite toast. Um, That's about all I could stomach for a while. So yeah, the nausea is really tough. I was really lucky. I didn't have something called hyperemesis, which a lot of mothers do experience, which is kind of that debilitating nausea where um, they can't keep anything down, uh, even struggle to keep fluids down and may need to be hospitalized. So for anyone that has experienced that, I feel awful for you. Um, I was lucky in that it was just pregnancy sickness, which is the nausea, the vomiting, all of that fun stuff. Uh, But that for me lasted until about 16 weeks. And the first day you wake up and you don't have nausea and you actually feel like food, you forget what it felt like to feel normal. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't feel sick. This is amazing. Um, Try and cram as much into my day as I could. So uh, dealing with the hormones, dealing with the the, the pregnancy sickness in that first trimester is really hard. And the fatigue, you are so exhausted, uh, which for me is was very out of character. I tend to have quite a lot of energy unless I've, you know, really depleted myself. Sorry, Luke's pulling weird faces. And so Luke and I would make plans and say, I don't know, we plan to go to Ikea to the next day. And then I wake up and go, no, I can't go to Ikea. And Luke's like, no, but we plan to go to Ikea. I'm like, I know we plan to go to Ikea, but I'm not Ikea ready right now. And that took a while for Luke to adjust because usually if I plan something, I, I commit and I go ahead with whatever the plan was. Um, but not when you're pregnant. You just have to listen to your body, rest when you need to rest. And that's a key takeaway actually is to nap when you need to nap rest when you need to rest and really listen in that first trimester to your body because you want to be doing absolutely everything you can to help it whilst it's adjusting to not only keeping you alive but now growing this little human so yeah the first trimester is really tricky it can be really emotional Um, for me it also held a lot of angst Um, pregnancy after loss is really really emotionally uh 
taxing, like every little cramp. You know, I'd, I had a few cramps um, and I would end up in tears because I was just really scared. But also... And just to quickly jump in, just if you haven't, if you don't know, if you haven't listened to the last episode, um, Courtney had a miscarriage before um, Louis. So that's what she's referring to. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, that first trimester, I was just waiting to get to 12 weeks. Um, and there is a lot of that and a lot of women do feel that way. Um, but it's trusting your body at the same time. And not that you're not allowed to worry, but I tried also not to focus on that because where your focus goes, your energy flows. And I really, (laughs) I like that one. It's true though. It really is. So I would acknowledge how I was feeling and I would honor that and honor why I felt that way. But then I tried to not let that consume me or not look into additional research or not panic. And Luke was amazing in being able to kind of help me through that, especially, you know, if I did get cramps, um, uh, cramping or anything that kind of frightened me in those early days, especially until you can feel baby move. Um, it can be a really, really troublesome time and you're just holding out for every single scan or doctor's visit so you can hear their heartbeat. But um, once you do feel those first movements, you definitely start to feel a lot more at ease in your um, pregnancy. For me, looking in through this whole experience, one of the, and I know this is gonna, this, this is the thing that's a big problem for women, is the... And I th- I'm going to assume a lot of women that generally worry. Courtney's a bit of a worrier in life, yeah. which is a lot of women these days. Um, and especially after she's had a miscarriage, right? What tends to happen is everything that happens in the body, you jump on Google and then you go cramp in my belly, blah, blah, blah. And then what comes up is all the horror stories. Yeah. This, my, my advice from uh, from all this stuff is you, you want to stay away from, you know, literally, I know this is bloody hard. Like, well, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, it's because we have so much access to information, um, it's actually not good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because guess what? There's a horror story with everything out there and there's also a success story. And you will find the information that you want to find. That's the truth. That is how the human mind works. If we want to find out something that, you know, aligns with our story um, and our belief, then we'll find it. And what tends to happen is uh, women will have, what do you hear all the time? You hear about horror stories with bloody birth, horror stories, horror stories, mis, uh, miscarriages, um, things going wrong, bad births, all these things, fear, fear, fear. Why? Because, you know, fear is the thing that is more like what sells more if you think of the news all the news, it's 95% fear. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, today's, uh, hi, welcome to Channel 9 News and uh, 5,000 people died and they speak about this for an hour and a half and then what do they finish on for the last 10 seconds? And there's a brand new cat's been born in Hopper's Crossing. <laughs> you know, a mother of The uplifting little. For five seconds. Tip-tip. They finish on the little, oh, but they smash fear for the whole thing. So we're drawn to fear. Why? Because that is a far, there's two drivers in, in human behavior, the need to avoid pain and the need to gain pleasure. But always the need to avoid pain will far outweigh our behavior in life. Yeah. So what we'll always do is we're always going to be searching for the fear. 
-hmm. And the pain is like, okay, I'm searching for what is not going to hurt me. What do I need to be aware of so I can avoid it? And that's what happens when it comes to this pregnancy stuff is that any little thing that you get, oh, I've spewed up here. I've got a little cramp here. Oh, um, there's movement here. Oh, I don't feel any movement here. You go Google it. And guess what? You're going to find horror stories. And then what's that going to do? That is going to make you worry even more, cause you even more anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I don't technically know. I don't have like the science medical background here, but the, um, you know, your body's all about chemicals. It releases chemicals and you're releasing good chemicals or bad chemicals. Um, and this is not good. Or, um, oxytocin. Yeah. Very different effects when you're growing a baby. Yeah. So this has a huge impact on your and i totally believe this the level of anxiety yeah that you're holding your body has a huge impact on the development of your baby yeah so i think from looking in and all this whole process is uh, my advice would be um do your best to not look into so much stuff we've had a number of things along the pregnancy where you know worry moments yeah as in Here's some information. Gee, we need to really worry about this. And guess what? Out of all the times, there was some uh, you know really big moments. It turned out there's nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. But then Courtney went through the whole period of massive worry, massive worry, massive worry, and then it's up. Oh, it's all good. And then something else will pop up, give a reason to really worry. And I'm talking even doctors giving us direct information, giving us inf- reason to worry. But everything always ended up working working out. I always say that. Easier said than done, but I always say that worry when you've got reason to worry. So if, for example, the doctor says, hey, you might have cancer. I don't know for sure yet, but you might have cancer. Well, you know, uh, until you've been absolutely diagnosed that you've got cancer, like what's the point worrying until you have the word of it? Because you may not as well. You may not. So, um, yeah, I just want to kind of add that in there. Um, it's a, because we've got access to our phones and Google and everything like that. So easy just to Google everything and one little thing. And you're always going to go in the horror stories. It's no good for you. So stay away from you. Do your best to stay away from good old Dr. Google. (laughs) (laughs) Where possible. Where possible. And, and, um, yeah, I would be also is going through this whole journey. There are podcasts out there where they are like pregnancy podcasts and things like that and sites and Instagram profiles. It's all about pregnancy and there's going to be plenty of stories of horror stories, sad stories. And I don't know why, but mums to be just get drawn to this stuff. Don't listen to it. Listen to the positive ones. There's some really, really good positive ones. Kind of like, you know, to your environment, who you hang around is who you become. So if you're listening and indulging and just surrounding yourself with sad stories, things, you know, pregnancies that didn't turn out, whatever it is, deaths, miscarriages, and you're just getting yourself in there, then you're seriously, you're more likely for that to happen to you. Or if you're listening to stories of perfect births, you're around people that have had great births, the kids have been birthed and the best thing in their life, you're going to, you're more likely to attract it. So mm-hmm. this stuff's legit. I found podcasts really helpful. I loved listening to Beyond the Bump. Um, I was very selective with, I think Australian birth stories is Beyond amazing. Bump but I was very selective at what I listened to. Um, As Luke said, I didn't pick the ones where it said traumatic birth. I just thought, nope, too close to home. I don't need to watch or listen to that one. Uh, And I just 
And I found in the first trimester as well, I loved listening to first trimester podcasts because it is all overwhelming. Your emotions are a little bit up and down. As I said, you don't feel very well. And it's really comforting to listen to other women who have gone through the first trimester and, you know, make light of everything that you're feeling and your changes in your body. And, you know, it's nice and relatable and makes you feel less like you're going through it alone. Um, especially that we were kind of in and out of the pandemic. We were in and out of lockdown. So I didn't necessarily have my um, easy access of support network around me because there were so many restrictions on what you could and couldn't do and who you could and couldn't see. So um, I turned to podcasts and um, loved it. So hopefully you can turn to this one too. (laughs) 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 But uh, in saying that, I guess, yeah, also having a little toolkit around you. So for me, I have always done Pilates. I love Pilates. It's a huge part of my life. I do both Reformer and Matt Pilates. I was at a studio here in Port Melbourne that I've been at for several years. And unfortunately, they took prenatal off their timetable just as I fell pregnant. So I... um, (laughs) mistake. Huge. Call them out. No, I'm not going to call them out. No. Shame them. And I also have a beautiful studio that I absolutely adore in Byron Bay that I do online classes with. Um, Lexi is just a queen. I absolutely love her. So I was doing that up until about 12 weeks and sporadically, obviously, given the pregnancy sickness. Some days it's the last thing you feel like doing is exercising. Totally get that. So up until 12 weeks, um, you kind of can still follow somewhat of a normal exercise routine if you have been exercising that way before falling pregnant. And then you kind of want to make modifications from there. So I then um, started to look into prenatal Pilates, which is physio-based and physio-run. And our awesome friend, Richie Scott, shout out to Richie. (laughs) He, he owns the beautiful All for One in Yarraville. And I started seeing um, Richie at first for one-on-one um, prenatal consults during lockdown. And then that turned into the prenatal classes with other mums-to-be uh, when we were out of lockdown. So I absolutely loved my prenatal Pilates. It is such a beautiful space to to kind of know that you're exercising under the care of physios and you can ask them all the nitty gritty pains and things that you're feeling, whether you've got pelvic girdle pain or, um, you know, cause your, your pelvis is just, it hurts like no tomorrow. Well, it did. If you, if you're me, mine hurt. Um, so back pain, sciatica, pelvic girdle pain, you name it, they can help support you through it. And also you're doing it alongside, um, for me, it was other first time mums. So we kind of had, you know, there was a um, two girls that I became really, really close with um, and we were kind of 10 weeks apart. So it was nice to, I was in the middle of the two and you got to watch like what's coming and then support kind of be like a somewhat little mentor to, to those that were um, earlier on in their pregnancy. Uh, and I loved that kind of connection as well. So if you do have something or a form of exercise that you love that you can modify to continue doing during pregnancy, I would definitely recommend it. And if you enjoy Pilates or it's something that you've always thought that you might be interested in, I would definitely recommend prenatal Pilates. 
I have been very lucky that um, at my check post-birth, I only had a one centimeter abdominal separation and I 100% know that that is down to my Pilates um, and being able to kind of support my core and my abdominal muscles through all of that uh, and growing growing little Louie. Um, and I think exercise is really important. So if you can walk, um, a lot of women are unable to walk in their pregnancy because of their pelvis but if you are able to walk uh getting out getting fresh air um just making sure that you take the time to look after yourself especially in those those first 12 weeks as well when you're not feeling very great and also i listened to a podcast that made me feel really at ease when all you're eating is brown food like i'm pescatarian now i used to be vegetarian but now i eat a little bit of fish you to change your label well, I eat a bit of fish every now and then. If I feel like it, I'll eat fish. Um, I introduced that when we were trying to conceive. Um, just if I, ha- it was only meat that I occasionally craved. So I thought, okay, well, if I feel like fish, I will have fish. Um, so, so, te- so you're a vegetarian now. I'm not going. I was going to. I still called you a vegetarian. Well, I'm a vegetarian that occasionally eats fish. Maybe that's what I should say because I don't eat it regularly. Like we're talking every few months really. So maybe a vegetarian that occasionally eats fish is my technical label. You're called a vegetarian. <laughs> a vegetarian. Fish and vegetarian. Vegetarian, but only I only gets the F from fish. Yeah. Let's talk about fish. foods. So foods. I want to know how the oh you're technically a vegetarian now. Vegetarian. That sounds like a fake How vegetarian. did you survive uh-huh. being a mainly vegetarian? How the hell did you live? Aren't you meant to die? <laughs> lacking nutrients. Easily, easily. I was also very lucky that um, I've got quite high iron stores um, being a vegetarian, which is great. Hang on a sec. Uh, and go, Dad. It's almost feeding time at the zoo, so he is probably not going to make it through the podcast. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I had quite high iron stores. Obviously, being vegetarian, you can get that from all of your legumes, tofu, beans, um, spinach, leafy green vegetables, so much. Um, I do still eat eggs, so eggs is protein as well. Uh, And I didn't need an iron transfusion or have any uh, significant decrease in iron levels throughout my pregnancy, which is great. Oh, there's Louis. He's in the shot. We are currently holding. Here he is. The topic. <laughs> currently, this is his first podcast. Do you want to say something? <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Louis' official first words. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. In terms of diet for me, it remained other than first trimester where all I wanted was brown food, just carbs, carbs, more carbs. Um, it's just your body trying to get enough energy to get you through. And well, sorry, what I was going to note is I was worried. I was thinking, my gosh, like I'm not consuming any of my regular diet. Like, is this really bad for his development that all I want is bread and pasta and fries and crisps like chips? salty foods and um i did listen to a podcast with a obstetrician gynecologist who is actually sophie pierce's dad (laughs) from beyond the bump and he had just said don't worry 
to take a prenatal when you can because you can't always take it because it makes you feel terrible. Uh, and it, mine really, really has a really distinct smell. So when you feel sick, last thing you want is your prenatal. So take that and don't stress about what you are eating in those first 12 weeks. Your baby will be okay. And that was like, okay, good. He's not going to come out like a small potato chip covered in Vegemite. <laughs> He'll be okay. Uh, so eliminating foods, I obviously didn't have the struggles where I needed to worry about cold meats. Um, no McFlurries. Oh, yeah, that kind of sucked. I took the listeria precaution very seriously. I have actually had listeria. I listeria. Had... <laughs> that was Luke's. Uh... Nothing but a gangster listeria. <laughs> so every time I'd be like, I can't eat that. Luke's like, why? I'm like, listeria. He would sing, sing the listeria to the notorious um, soundtrack. I, I don't think know. That's, I thought it was Tupac. Ain't nothing but nothing notorious. Ain't nothing but a gangster. That's the song, though, isn't it? Oh, well, I, don't know. I thought it was notorious. I was singing that song. Ain't nothing but gangster. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even party, is it? No, I don't think so. Anyway. So anything that could be contaminated with listeria, I kind of took very seriously. So you know, I wasn't having salads at salad bars or anything that was in buffets. Um, they say, yeah, avoid things like McFlurries no because salad at Sizzlers. You don't know how Couldn't frequent- have salad at Sizzlers. <laughs> you don't know how frequently the machine is changed. Uh, couldn't have all you can eat at Pizza Pizza Hut. Couldn't have the pizza, pasta, salad, and dessert. She could only have the pizza, pasta, and dessert. Couldn't have the salad. <laughs> A, Couldn't even have you wouldn't technically be able to have the dessert either because it's the it's the ice cream machine. Pizza pasta. Just pizza pasta. Uh, we didn't go to Pizza Hut. Just to anyone pizza hut sizzler every single day. <laughs> Does Sizzler even exist anymore? Uh so yeah, I was careful in terms of contamination with Listeria because I have had it. And uh that is no joke. I had never had food poisoning and I got full-blown listeria, so that was fun not pregnant. This is years ago. So yeah, I was very careful with what foods I did consume. And um, I did look at everything. Like I love licorice, but they say to avoid licorice. So I didn't have licorice. I, um, gosh, what other foods did I not eat? Uh, I Cheese, soft cheese. Oh, of course. Yeah. Soft cheese. Again, that's how I actually got listeria a few years ago was from a soft cheese. So yeah, avoiding anything that can already contain bacteria or is highly uh, has a higher chance of being contaminated. So um, things like that, but I didn't find that a struggle, thankfully being vegetarian, Um, vegetarian. vegetarian. I was going to say, anyway, it'll come back to me, baby brain. (laughs) What about your, all your products that you eliminated? Yes. We both had this on our list. Well done. So um, if you are thinking of um, starting a family or you are pregnant or you are hoping to be pregnant, I would definitely look at your skincare and kind of products both in your home and that you do use on your face and body. I did that. There's a really good uh, website called I believe it's 15 Minute Beauty and you can type in your product and it they give you a breakdown on whether it is or isn't safe for pregnancy. And then if it is safe for pregnancy, whether it's safe for pregnancy and nursing. So if you do decide to breastfeed, um, you, it kind of categorizes all of the products into where you can have them, if at all. I'll give you um, an idea. Pretty much nothing that you probably use can be is safe. It's, it's like really hard. There's it's everything. So 
you know, sunscreen, a lot of sunscreen has oxybenzone, which is not good for fetal development. So I, you know, changed all of my sunscreens and zinc-based sunscreen is not flattering. (laughs) You look like Casper. It goes on like toothpaste, but uh, I just, it works. Yeah. I would actually add it a little tidbit. I would add some moisturizer to it to help it actually. Chemical-free moisturizer? Chemical-free Pregnancy safe moisturizer mixed in with my pregnancy safe zinc based mineral sunscreen just to allow it to actually spread across my body. Otherwise, I literally look like I had Dulux white on white all over me at the beach. Not flattering. Um, natural deodorant. Natural deodorant we switched to. So Which we're locked in. We're now yeah, locked love in it. natural deodorant. Love it. Um, shout out to uh, Axilla. We use Axilla Black Chicken. So good. Okay. I went through so many brands. I watched so many YouTube videos. I can't tell you how many YouTube videos I watched of people applying one deodorant to one underarm and one deodorant to another underarm and then reviewing it at the end of the day. Like I watched an embarrassing amount of YouTube videos of people going for runs and testing natural deodorants. But it's really hard and it is a bit of a transition and you will be like, what the hell is this? Mm. Um, But once you find one that works for your body, it's amazing. And until uh, I gave birth, because that's another lovely um, postpartum um, gift is that you start to overproduce BO so that your baby can find you if you are breastfeeding. Um, It's lovely. Uh, on top of all the other things. So they really, really help them out at your detriment. Don't say that. Um, (laughs) So I, yeah, we love natural deodorant. Uh, But yeah, looking at deodorants, looking at skincare, there's even natural products are still, you still need to look into them because a lot of uh, essential oils are not safe during pregnancy. So even if it is chemical free and you do have a natural product and it is vegan and you feel like you're ticking all the boxes, there is that little extra step that is like, oh, is this a pregnancy safe essential oil? And a lot of essential oils feel, fall into a category of unknown because they don't have as much testing as your mainstream chemicals. So, uh, but I would definitely look into that. And then for me, it was kind of like, well, if this is not safe while I'm growing a human, why do I happily put this stuff on my skin anyway? So there are little moments like that where you go. Mm. That is the question. Mm. That is the big question. It's kind of, you know, um, cancer is, I think, the second biggest killer. I think heart, is it heart? Heart disease, heart disease yeah. Biggest in the world, second's cancer. Where's, uh, I think, coronavirus is third, isn't it? <laughs> Um, so yeah, second is cancer. Everyone knows someone that's died from cancer, yeah. Um, and it's like, what's causing cancer? What the hell is causing cancer? Um, and uh, without the companies telling you this, hundred percent, that's part of it is the stuff we're putting on our on our bodies every single well, day. Moisturizers, sunscreens, yeah. our our um, our deodorants. So all this stuff is affecting the body in a bad way. Mm-hmm um and yeah it's kind of like it's interesting through going through this pregnancy it's like you find out that basically everything that you use your moisturizer your perfume your deodorant um your face cream your body cream it's like that's not safe for a kid well if it's not safe for a kid it's probably in some way accumulative i mean if you just used this normal face cream once but i'm talking about you using moisturizer multiple times a day for your whole life Mm. That stuff over time, it's got to do something bad to you. 
It's yeah, got to so go somewhere. Poses the question. Well, that's what we found so fascinating looking into natural deodorant is that the aluminium, which is the aluminum, alu- Tony Robinson, aluminum, the aluminium, uh, which is controversial, um, but what I wanted to personally avoid uh, is what blocks your sweat glands to one, stop you from producing the smell of BO, but two, from excreting sweat so it's it's keeping you dry but it's basically putting a lid permanently over your skin every time you apply it and not letting toxins soak out through your pores which your sweat glands are designed to do so kind of when i looked into it and broke it down i was like well then if it can't come out then it's got to go back in and then what is it doing where is it going why am i why am I not letting it? And then the funny thing is, as you transition using a natural deodorant, you will sweat more, but you're actually not sweating more. You're just sweating because you've been putting a lid on that sweat. And then your body gets into it's It gets used to it and you actually aren't sweaty and you don't smell uh, because it's not building up. It's just being able to be let out through the body. So that's like a very small example of, 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 a product, but I found super fascinating. Yes. So yeah, looking at um, all of your products and things and what, I guess how you want your pregnancy as well, like within a product scheme, I also yeah, had a drug. Story. Yeah. I had a Do drug free pregnancy um, as well as I was very lucky to have a drug free birth. I was- this is, I just want to put major emphasis on this is this is crazy. Courtney didn't even have a Panadol. Panadol. Like a paracetamol or an ibuprofen. Nothing at all. Not even a bloody Panadol, which is like, you know, if you're over a limb overseas, um, just a headache tablet. Didn't even have a headache tablet um, because Courtney was just like, you know what? I just want to give this baby the biggest chance. Obviously, going through a miscarriage, he's like, you know what? I'm just so conscious of what's going into my body here. Yeah. And she, he didn't, wouldn't even take a bloody (laughs) headache tablet even though she's suffering for headaches every single day and she's got nausea and nonstop and like that. So crazy, intense effort, crazy. Now you might be like, man, that's ridiculous. But this is the level that Courtney went to and the sacrifice. And I get it. Some women are not able to level of pain or what they're going through is just like, it's not maybe, maybe Courtney was eat. Maybe she was fortunate. Right. And her levels weren't extreme like others. And definitely was the case in, in some cases. But that's what Courtney did. That was the level of sacrifice she went to to keep her body as natural as possible because, um, you know, people are being, babies are being, um, getting, they've been getting born (laughs) for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, And even before we had headache tablets and things like this, babies were getting born. So, yeah, yeah, like what did we rely on back in the day? And it was everything natural. It was like we lived off the land. We survived living off the land. Um, now, look, we can we survive a lot longer these days, but that's the way life used to be. We lived off the land; everything was natural. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's just um, you know everything's processed. Um, there's a drug for a bloody everything, um, and that's that generally tends to be what doctors are trained. Most general doctors, your GPs, they're trained to uh, basically give you a tablet and a pill. But Very quickly as well. And just yeah. to just to kind of preface oh, with are the, we going into the doctor talk now? No, I, I just wanted to say on the on the me having a drug-free pregnancy and not even take it wasn't at my detriment. Like I wasn't 
on my deathbed, like, no, I cannot take this. Like I was able to operate and I wasn't. So I always tried. So uh, heartburn, I had really, really bad heartburn. And I feel for anybody that actually lives with heartburn because, whoa, that what is did you do to so get heartburn? painful. Um, I ha- ate lifesavers. So I actually, a YouTuber I follow, I record in her pregnancy that someone had recommended her to take, like eat lifesavers. And you can have a Gaviscon or Mylanta, only one of them. I don't know Gaviscon. which one. One of them is safe in pregnancy. And Usually people would just jump to that, but I was like, well, I'll try the lifesavers because, you know, yes, it's sugar. Okay. It's not great for your teeth. It's sugar, but it's not a, it's not a a medicine. So, um, for me, the lifesavers worked and they calm your, um, reflux. So I even did have to take myself out at like one 30 in the morning and pop out to a petrol station and buy a few, um, lifesavers to get me through one night. There's like this, you know, dude that's. Managing this, the um, the, the, what are they called? Petrol station, and he's like, you know, he's kind of, he's a bit worried because this is the time where people come in and hold him up. Courtney rocks up in her little car, and she gets out, and he, you know, like trackies and that, and she's like, kind of got a bump, and he's like, oh shit, I'm gonna get robbed by a pregnant woman. Or like, I'm the decoy. <laughs> she's like, oh, can I get a pack of life savers? Like, oh my god, this is it, this is the moment. <laughs> She just pays the lifesaver and then she just eats the lifesaver <laughs> in front of him. And he's like, oh, my God. Man. I literally did have to eat them in the car because I was like, yeah, it was a bad, bad dose of reflux heartburn that night. Got fluxed. But, yeah, things like that. I would just try and find something to help me through my symptoms that wasn't a medication. And if I had to go down that path, then, yes, I would have. But mm just tried to do anything else before I took that next step because you can so easily go, okay, yep, okay, I'm really, really, really nauseous. I'm going to try X without maybe trying something um, less invasive straight up, which is just how I am. I will always try the uh, route of less impact. Oh, yeah. If you're putting something like that, you're putting foreign chemicals and shit in your body it can't be good for you yeah so um i would say is that sometimes like if let's say you go to the doctor you give them tablets or a, or a script or something um or even if you're just at home you got a headache like try and look try and actually look okay so i got a headache what a what's a natural way i can get rid of this headache without taking a tablet if you start doing that and looking for natural ways and options you'll actually find that there's actually plenty of ways and then what oh, you also want to do in like seconds, you can do like an, if it's not a migraine, I do get hormonal migraines, but if it's a headache, you've got an acupressure point um, just below your thumb uh, on the palm of your hand. And if you squeeze that, it actually, and you hold that down for as long as you need to, it actually takes the pulsing sensation away from your brain because you're putting pressure elsewhere and the pulsing sensation will go to the hand so there's all different things even like that where if you're out and about and you can't do something that's going to help even just that acupressure point point buys you time Mm, that one doesn't work for me cold showers work for me but i mean if you're a if you're out at a seminar (laughs) you've got this headache it's what are you gonna do you're running i only go to or different little it's probably not going to work here you must use Courtney's thing for that um but yeah just like if something's going on just um try and search for natural ways as opposed to just running for the tablets 
And what you want to do is you're going to, you want to look at the cause. Yeah, mm -hmm. if you're getting these headaches all the time and you're just taking a headache tablet for it, yeah, cool. You're getting rid of that symptom temporarily, but there's a cause of that. Are you stressed? Do you not exercise enough? Are you eating the wrong foods? Um, are you living next to a, you know, a refinery and you're breathing in bad shit every single day? Like you got to look at the cause, yeah, um, and remove the cause, like deal with the cause. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, yeah, what about acupuncture? Yes, so for those that listened to our previous podcast, um, you will know that I spoke very, very highly and dearly of my beautiful Chinese medicine doctor, Dr. Amanda Wildike from Man's Tough Hands, if you listen. <laughs> yeah, we love we our mans. You. you know, you love mans. You are part owner in Louie. She is I've I've part nicked, owner. nicknamed her fairy godmother. She is officially his fairy godmother because um he wouldn't be here without her. So what's her Insta just so people can look her up? Uh it is Angia. So A N G E A. A N G E A. Yeah. 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 So A N G E A underscore acupuncture underscore yoga. Um, and her, her clinic is called Angia, um, based in Paran here yeah. in Melbourne. Legit. This woman is the reason, a major reason why Louis here um, got helped Courtney actually fall pregnant in the first place. And through well, she the helped me process. get my um, my period back after coming off the pill. Yep. Yeah. Like and the then fall pregnant. Courtney's yep. body. Um, and then helped fall pregnant and then helped get through this. So she's, you know, if you're having any problems or struggles or anything like that, or you just want like a really great guidance. I mean, she, look, she lives in Melbourne in Australia. But yeah, we would recommend her to every single every single woman out there going through this she's incredible she's she actually even mess well she called me but i was um at the hospital she like is so in tune she like wished us good luck on literally i was in the hospital confirming that my waters had broken and she was calling me and like she's just she's so in tune she's so amazing we love men so acupuncture has been a huge part of my entire journey so obviously it's something that i kept doing throughout my pregnancy and um, in the first trimester, it's all about supporting your uterus, really, really healthy blood flow to the uterus, um, supporting your body and also giving you moments of calm, which is fantastic. So, and then um, I would always pick to do a, medica a medication, <laughs> a meditation and the, medita <laughs> the meditation. I haven't had the meditation. <laughs> well, I went to say meditation for your gestation. I said medication. Uh, I would pick the the gestational meditation. So it would say, she, you know, she'll pick the bag of pills today. You are this week, you are 10 weeks and this is what your baby is doing. And this is, and so not only is it beneficial for my body, but it was so beneficial for my mind. And I love that little bubble of acupuncture where I, it's just 20 minutes where you're in this beautiful meditative state um, and you get to relax and I loved acupuncture. So uh, if you are interested in it, I would definitely encourage you to use it as part of your pregnancy journey. And they can also help you prepare for labor um, later on in your pregnancy as well. Mm. Every time Courtney would do a, a session, she'd come home and she's like, I just feel so good. Um, and it encourages you to have these really beautiful moments of connection with your baby as well, because you're breathing in sync and you're sending love to your uterus. And um, once you can feel the baby moving, 
um, which is really special. And for us, I think I, from memory, I felt him moving from 18 weeks, which is apparently early. Apparently it's usually like 21-ish weeks. You can feel actual kicks, like not flutters. I could feel him kicking from 18 weeks. Um, So once they're moving as well, when you're sending love down to your baby or doing any of these, he responds or he or she um, respond to that energy as well, which is really beautiful to feel. So highly recommend acupuncture. Yeah. All right, Um, we're nearly done. Where are we at? Well, I've got like a few random little things. I have like some, I guess, fun things. And then I've got, I guess, a big topic here for for us uh, is go with your, well, and for me is go with your gut. So a lot, go with your gut and go with what you feel and what aligns best to you because you will receive so much information and sometimes it's not always delivered in the most pleasant environment and it can come across as really direct and when you're growing a little human some people if they really really value their opinion they might make you feel negligent for not following along with it and that can be incredibly overwhelming because you're referring you're referring to, you're referring to doctors right yes in this instance, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I think um, I've got down here research, research, research. Yeah. Um, if you this don't stuff you research, can research, don't research the the other things where you're like, oh, I've got this twinge, this cramp. But when it comes to medication, vaccines, you just want to uh, research everything. Research. Like everything, everything the whole about pregnancy. You want to be like become like a, a pro and be able to do like a, a podcast talking about your pregnancy, yeah, really well-informed. Um, because if you just go in and be guided by the doctors, um, the yeah. doctor's opinion isn't always the right opinion and their diagnosis is not always the right po- diagnosis, which we actually personally experience. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have knowledge in what's kind of going on we and we just follow what the doctor said, we would have ended up um, being, what's it called? Induced. Induced. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we didn't, Courtney didn't get induced and she had a perfect birth, which was labelled by the midwives. Um, and the doctors wanted to induce Courtney. So if if Courtney didn't have the knowledge around kind of what happens with the body and everything like that. Or what you're... Um... What you're you're entitled to as well. So this is more like, and I'll definitely talk about this in our birth vlog. 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 <laughs> We're vlogging now. We're vlogging. <laughs> Surprise! I've got a YouTube channel. No, I don't. Vlogging. I don't know why yes, I said do. vlog. Sorry. <laughs> our birth podcast. I um. Wait a second. Hey, mum. I'm just I'm just recording something. Um, yeah, we'll probably need about half an hour. Uh, is that cool? Oh, a uh, bit less. Just so you. Oh, I was going to say you should say you're recording a podcast. Yeah, um, talking about um, the doctor staff and then kind of. Oh. So uh, we will talk more to this in our birth 
podcast, but educating yourself around birth and around labor and what you are entitled to or how you can ask questions because you will sometimes, a perfect example is I went in on my due date and uh, the doctor said, great, um, I'll, do you want me to check how far, or, do you want me to see how far dilated, if dilated you are, um, and also we'll do a stretch and sweep. And it was just that I knew what a stretch and sweep is, which for those that don't know, it's where they go in and they literally kind of put multiple fingers up you and they stretch your cervix, hoping to um, help progress labor to commence but that is a form of intervention yeah why generally don't we want to be induced just as simple uh just to summarize it if you can avoid um induction and go into spontaneous labor it does um eliminate the need for further intervention so obviously if you go into spontaneous labor your body is like i'm ready bubs is ready he or she has actually sent those messages of oxytocin to kickstart labor. And it's almost like your body's at the start line. It's like, yep, I'm good. I'm packed. I've got everything ready to go. Let's do this. But if you start and you do have to be induced, technically your body could have still been asleep, hadn't packed its bags and it wasn't at the start line. So you kind of get it to the start line and it's like, whoa, I wasn't ready for this. And therefore it's still sleepy and it doesn't know what to do. And it's, this is a weird analogy, but you know, I'm, that's wrong with it. Uh, <laughs> so it's running a marathon half asleep <laughs> with its bags not packed, you know? So um, they just say, if you can avoid it, um, where possible. And sometimes it is not the case. Sometimes if the bub or mom is at risk, of course, intervention is there for that purpose and for that reason and is medically necessary, but that's where it should be used and it shouldn't be used lightly. So if bubs is safe, you are safe, everything's tracking along normally, then you do have, with it is within your rights to be able to delay or request at least the risks and and the positives as to being induced so yeah Courtney just wanted to let her body do what it's built to do and what it does naturally you know the whole um the whole journey of what we've been doing is as much natural as possible mm. so then when it came to okay time for yeah. Louis to come out doctor was basically saying oh well let's do the unnatural way and we're just like no nah, that just doesn't fit with how we want to do things you know is this a life or death situation and they're like, no, it's not. I'm like, okay, well, let's just leave it for a few more days. And it turns out. We're so, kind of jumping between two little two little right. scenarios. But the, the stretch and sweep scenario is that if I didn't know what a stretch and sweep was, and if I didn't know that it was actually technically a form of intervention, then the way that the doctor spoke about it, it was very conversational. Like that's just a routine check as mm. in we're going to check how far dilated you are. We'll do a stretch and sweep. And that's just like a no brainer. Yep. But I, and I said to her, look, I'm comfortable to check how far dilated I am, but I don't want to stretch and sweep because I didn't want that to prompt my body to then go into labor. You know, I'm happy to eat spicy food and try all the other things and bounce on a bouncy ball, but somebody physically stretching my cervix, no. Mm. Um, but that means that you had to do the research or you had to have the prior knowledge to know what that was uh, because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't packaged to me as an intervention and it wasn't, 
it wasn't said to me, oh, look, this could induce labor. That's what the purpose of this is. It was literally just like part of the routine check. So, mm, and that's, yeah, that's what will happen. Now, there's a, we found there's a weird dynamic going between the doctors and the midwives. It's almost like the doctors are kind of like um, unnatural, unnatural, hurry, hurry, hurry. And the midwives with the opposite, or it's like, no, no, let your body do it. Let your body, everything's all good. Yeah. Advocating for you, advocating for, I mean, I, mm. I was so lucky. I had had, um, I gave birth at the Royal Women's um, and in Melbourne, and I had the most incredible midwives throughout my experience. I was in MIST, which is midwives in small teams. I was in the yellow group, um, yellow. yellow, and I had yeah. a beautiful rotation of midwives, which sadly up until 37 weeks, then I got moved to doctors because doctors. my fundal height dropped. So basically <clears throat> every time you go in, they check um, from the top of your uterus, which sits like above your ribs, um, down to your pubic bone. And they like you to be measuring basically on gestation or, you know, a couple of centimeters either side. So when you're 35 weeks, you should be 35 centimeters. When you're 36 weeks, 36 centimeters. And I was always tracking a week behind um, in centimeters per gestation, which is normal. So 34 weeks, I was 33 centimeters, so on. And at 36 weeks, I was 35 centimeters. And then when I went in for my 37-week check, I dropped to 31. So they all freaked out. That's a big discrepancy. What's happened? Um, Louis turned posterior, which means that his back was to my back instead of his back to my belly. And he was also engaged. So I had said to so many of the doctors, could this not be why his fundal height has dropped so much? You know, he's so far now in my pelvis and he's also now all legs at the front because my belly changed shape as well. I didn't look anywhere near as big as I had been um, in terms of my belly size. And they then were worried that he was a small baby. And so the doctor said, well, we're going to give you a week, but then we're going to induce you because he, we could have missed this and he could be a small baby and this could be a risk for stillbirth and uh, fired all these things at me that were absolutely terrifying um, to hear at that stage and saying that, you know, they don't know how they missed this and, you know, he could be very, very small. Uh, and, and I just said, is there anything I can do? Like, what, what can we do? I don't feel like he's a small baby. He's so strong. His movements haven't changed. He's so active. They could see how active he was. And so I just had to continually go in for heart rate monitoring for Louis. So a CTG and checking my amniotic fluid levels. Um, and thankfully they let me continue going uh, along that path, but I knew he wasn't a small baby because he had been tracking healthily and his measurements came back up. Thankfully, um, after two and a half weeks, he was kind of back on track. Um, I say kind of, because once they drop into your pelvis, they actually usually disregard fundal height because they're so low and engaged that you don't get an accurate depiction of actually their size anymore because they can't measure their head. So they're only measuring, you know, from the shoulders basically. So um, I share that story because I could have just said, yes, induce me now. Um, but I wanted to ask, what are the risks? You know, what can we do? What can we do in the interim? If he's okay and you're happy with his heart rate and you're happy with his fluids, is he 
really unsafe. Um, and so it's just asking questions, but to Hell ask yeah. those questions, you have to kind of do the research and, yeah. um, advocate for yourself. And I was really lucky that the midwives had all said to me at that time, you know, you don't have to be induced. I don't think he's a small baby. Like, you know, I'm a petite person. Um, they're like, you're carrying as you should be. And yeah, he was born at 3.23 kilos. So he wasn't a small baby and 53 centimeters. So he's happy and healthy. And, um, yeah, doctors don't, I grew up with it's kind of like whatever doctor says, it means it's 100% correct and true. As I've grown up, I've realized it's definitely not the case. It's just their opinion. And doctors are trained a certain way. So they're trained by someone, they're trained by a body, and they're, they're trained to act a certain way and give certain advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't look at the whole picture. So, um, you know, moving forward, now that I've learned this in life, is that when I go see a doctor, and when I will, which I never do, but when I will, what I used to do is like, whatever they say is 100%. If it's like, hey, take this, then take it. But now I literally question what they what they do. And Courtney, um, we won't go through this in this episode, but um, we had a, another episode with uh, afterbirth. We went and saw the doctor. They prescribed some medication and I questioned it. Turned out we didn't even need the medication. Yeah. And if we didn't question it, we would have taken this medication, these antibiotics for nothing. So it's just crazy. It's really crazy how um, uh, we put so much faith in doctors, but it's just one opinion. In, re- in regards to our situation where we had the doctors saying one thing and then the midwives, it meant to be in the same team, midwives saying something different. Like it's crazy, crazy stuff. So make sure I would uh, make sure that you just listen to what doctors say, but don't take it as in it's 100% true. You still need to do your own research Ask and questions. also what aligns yeah. with you. If you're feeling this, not something right here then question it yeah question mm-hmm. it all right let's let's kind of finish on and um controversial time okay controversial controversial and then i have like a little fun i guess fun thing not I, was, fun, I, was gonna, like... I was gonna finish on some fun stuff as well oh cute controversial time gets let's get controversial <laughs> We're going to be discussing something here. Starts with V. Starts with V. It rhymes with um, Maxine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So basically, um, no, you, you can see that our theme is natural, natural, natural. Throughout this whole pregnancy, what's going on in the world is COVID, right? And the mandates of vaccines. Now, why the hell would um, Courtney want to get a, a body experimental vaccine when she's changing what she eats, not even eating bloody soft cheese. He's not even using a moisturizer anymore. So I've never had the flu shot. Never had the flu shot, that type of shit. So um, we decided that. Okay, I also haven't been sick since Feb since 2020. That was the last time I had a cold. I had rhinovirus in 2020. In so yeah, our decision was to, uh, to not get it. Um, but far out, the um, what we what we experienced, oh, there's probably the only word I'll, I'll describe is disgusting. Um, the way that we were treated um, by the medical industry, um, doctors in particular, um, people in our Social life, groups, just um, terrible, really terrible stuff. So mm-hmm. this, there was so much pressure on um, on Courtney to to get the COVID vaccine, which she didn't end up getting, which we're so happy that we didn't. Um, but yeah, this is just like another example of kind of pressures being put on people. Um, if you don't. Um, if you don't actually feel it's right for you, don't bend down to the pressures of people. 
Courtney got had an exemption for it. It wasn't right for her body. She's she's um she's had reactions to things in the past. And it was just like we're like, okay, we weighed up the risk and we felt that the risk was higher taking this thing. Um, so we just wanted to mention that because this was like the, the pressure around that vaccine was so massive and it was a big part of our pregnancy. And it was like, you know, we were constantly being put like every single doctor's appointment that she had. They'll be like, oh, so have you had your vaccine? You haven't had it. Why haven't you, you have had to it? disclose it's every very time that yeah. you have it, Courtney, you're in you're a high, high risk, risk. Yeah. crazy stuff. And then that all gets into your head as well. And you know, I've had whooping cough. The whole, Isn't that whooping cough? Whooping cough. I say whooping cough. Whooping. <laughs> I say whooping cough. Like seriously, up until maybe three years ago, I thought it was whooping cough. Also, the the topic of vaccines is really challenging because people will ask, "Are you vaccinated?" And the amount of times I've wanted to say, "Yes, which one?" Because uh, we have had uh, and a whole array. We've had yellow fever. We've had rabies. We've had every single hep A, hep B, typhoid, tetanus. So we are vaccinated, just not for a certain type of vaccine. So I really also can't stand the vaxxed, unvaxxed topic, but that's a whole other thing. Don't get it started. We've had a lot of It actually makes me emotional because it was a really hard time. It It was 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 awful, actually. It was awful to have loved ones as well and people that you love dearly. judge you for something that is so personal and that absolutely that no one's ever cared that i haven't had the flu shot no one's ever asked me in my entire life let alone said that i'm an awful human being for not having it so when you're carrying a baby as well and it just it was it was really awful um and i wouldn't wish that period upon anybody and i know that i wasn't alone in the way that i felt um and then there were other beautiful moms that had to go through it as well had to kind of go through that in silence and pregnancy is hard enough pregnancy pregnancy is is so challenging and you're constantly fearing for the life of someone that you love that you haven't met and then you have all of these other things going on and people criticizing your your uh your intentions um when your intention is only to keep your baby safe Mm. and yeah it's anyway um, sub note to that, I can't remember what I was getting to. Yeah, we just want to bring that up because that was a big part of the whole um, uh, journey in pregnancy and it really affected us um, and it was a very tough time. Glad that we're out of it now and um, we're so happy of our decision, like so, so, so happy. happy. And, I, and a lot of people that actually did get it are really regretting that they didn't stick to their values. So learn from it, yeah, if you're someone who... Something doesn't uh, feel right, you know, don't necessarily Don't. feel like you just have to do something because somebody has told you to do it yeah. and i think that's the the key there that we we kind of stuck to the the way that we do live and it was like well this is not you know in no year would i be pressured to get a flu shot or get multiple flu shots um so why is this any different and uh we're very lucky we haven't got sick um i i've had a lot of family and friends that were sick that thankfully are okay uh but it's that, yeah, that was a really challenging time. But then also taking that into once your baby's born as well, because they will, um, you will need to look into vitamin K and Hep B, which are both administered at birth. Um, again, subject to your discretion. So um, whether or not you choose to have one or the other, I would definitely look into um, researching how you want to play that 
card. Um, we elected to have one and not the other. The other will be given to him um, later when he's a little bit we older. Revealing that's revealing for the birth. Sorry, we can talk about that. But just just to yeah, just to um. Yeah, do your again that ties into the research, but do your research and and don't be don't be scared to continue with your the way that you live and, and the the values that you upkeep as well. That is it. The message from whole this whole pandemic thing is that you've got basically three lots of people. People that didn't want to buy of it, didn't want to get it, right? And you had people that were hundred percent on it and wanted to get it. Then you had the people in the middle, which is the majority, where it's kind of like, I don't really want this thing, but I've got to get it. I kind of know that this ain't right for me. Um, probably more speaking to those people, yeah, um, where it's kind of like if if you didn't want to do certain things, just don't cave to the crowd, yeah, because you're always going to have peer pressures in your life. For now, this is just a pandemic. The next thing will be something at work, Yeah. The next thing will be something in your family. And if you always cave to peer pressures, guess where you're going? Heading down wrong paths. You're going to do shit that you don't want to do. And you always, always, always look back and regret it. Always look back and regret it. Um, now, just saying all this. Now, Courtney and I were in a fortunate position where we didn't have to get it. I know a lot of people in Australia were basically, you didn't. if you didn't get it, you couldn't work, right? Yeah, people were literally awful. forced to. Connie and I were in a very lucky position where, number one, I work from home so I could get away with it. Um, Courtney, also because she was pregnant, got an exemption, still get to kept her, keep her job but was allowed to work from home. So we were very, 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 very lucky that we could get um, basically still live on in life. Yeah. So, yeah, just don't want to kind of disregard the people that were really forced into Absolutely. all this whole thing. And they, you know, they because, because yeah, I get it. It's kind of like, well, I've got a family support and I've got yeah. to live, I've got to keep my job. She's just awful. And I'm like our hearts go out to everybody that was in that position because it's just, you know, I hope in years to come that we can, I, I keep saying to Luke, I'm like, imagine when I can tell our grandchildren that I wasn't allowed to, go to work because I didn't get a flu shot mm. <laughs> um, and there'll be a lot of people that fall into that category yeah. as well and this stuff will come up again and I'm, I'm I want to I'm kind of telling our side of the story here is because you know Courtney as if you know her you know how nice she is and kind and giving she is um, how she was made to made out to be like a really bad nasty selfish person which is so far from the truth um and this message, people which normally wouldn't do that, went along with it because that was the message created by media and governments, right? This stuff's going to come up again in the future. Um, don't fall into the trap. So bad stuff, yeah? Like the, what, you know, how Courtney was treated, how I was treated throughout this. Or that in a weird way that that sea banner gave people permission to treat people in a way that we would never have accepted if that didn't exist. That was what was so sad as well it was like you know you would never talk to somebody about whether they were vegetarian or they consumed meat and attack them mm -hmm. because they they ate a different food group to you or addressed a different way or drove a different car um and it just kind of opened this awful bullying yeah anyway i'm glad that we're on the other side of that we're now. On the other side, we hope anyway yeah, i hope so I just want to quickly jump in and talk about a program of ours called The Leading Coach, which helps coaches grow a six-figure-a-year business organically. Now, if you're a coach and you're currently making 
on average between zero and $5,000 a month and you want to learn how to get more clients and take your business to the next level and you've been following us for a little bit and you just love our style and our approach and what we're all about, then right now you can join the waiting list to The Leading Coach. Now, we only open up enrollments to TLC a few times a year. So um, by joining the waiting list, basically you'll be put on a notification list and be notified of when we open the doors next. And you'll also be one of the first that gets access to the Leading Coach program page, which includes all the details about what's in it, what it includes, and all the information so you can make a decision um, about whether the program is exactly what you need or not. Uh, So the link to join the waiting list is lukepage.com.au forward slash TLC. I'll also pop that link in the show notes as well. So anyway, let's get back to the episode. Um, I've got like three fast questions for you yeah. to finish. And then I've, I've cool. just got like some like happy some little yeah, things to just... Let's get out of the, the dark pit that we've just fallen into. <laughs> let's in go into happy mode. Let's go back in happy mode. All right, guys. <laughs> but even like the energy, do you feel the energy when you kind of I almost cried. Yeah. I don't know if you it's saw me. I was like getting really emotional. It's not a good energy. Um, and look, we really could have we could have left this out of this episode mm. and Courtney even said, should we talk about it? And I, we both decided that we should because it's the honest truth in what we went through. So that's why we brought it up. So I've got some three quick questions for you. Number one, and this is like you've got to answer in 10 seconds, Bubba. Mm-hmm. Hardest thing about this pregnancy for you? What was the hardest thing? Oh, first trimester. First try. Yeah. What did you enjoy the most? Being his first home, growing growing a baby is an incredibly um, honoring experience. And I'm so grateful that I was able to to have a baby and to grow a baby. Um, I know that's a gift that I wish I could give so many people. I'm going to get emotional. (laughs) She's crying. I'm comforting you though. It's okay. <laughs> oh, no, there's some special wife. people in my life that I wish I could give that to. So Yeah, Baba. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just so grateful and I, I loved being pregnant. I loved um feeling his kicks and his movements. And yeah, I really enjoyed pregnancy. I was really lucky and um I've, I've hoped to be able to fall pregnant again. I loved it. If, yeah. if you give one message to anyone that's currently pregnant or soon to be pregnant mm-hmm. for the first time, what would that message be? Um, oh, gosh, so many messages. Just enjoy it. It goes really, really fast. I know they say that about everything. We're now in the newborn bubble and everyone says how quickly it goes. But pregnancy flies by and just embrace that belly, embrace the changes, um, don't beat yourself up when you start to look more and more unlike yourself um, because it will happen and your body changes. You don't change, man. <laughs> but it changes for such a beautiful reason. And I found for me with pregnancy, it's actually the most I've ever loved my body. Um, I realized I've probably put it through so much, um, you know, uh, scrutiny over the years. And I've like, analyze tiny little things about my body that really are just so insignificant. Um, when you are growing a human, you realize just how incredible your body is and, you know, that you should thank it and not be so hard on it. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of, I guess, the most body proud <laughs> I've ever been being pregnant, which is strange because it's so unfamiliar. But, um, yeah, embrace it. Embrace the changes. Um, you will feel 
less like yourself but more like yourself at the same time um and make sure you surround yourself with a really supportive network whether that is both friends family mentors um you know things that make you feel good exercise and care and really nurture yourself things that make you go "Mm." (laughs) all right what were your things um so little tiny things like as in like fun Fun things. Fun Um, things. Get yourself a drink bottle. If you are pregnant, get yourself like an amazing one liter drink bottle. I am not, I dropped mine for anyone that can see the video. No one can see it. No one can see the video. That's good. You don't have to watch me cry. Unless this is the highlight for real. (laughs) I dropped it a few (laughs) days ago, devastatingly, but it's still intact, not sponsored. But um, I have the one liter Frank Green, and this thing is like, it, it was like a third limb. I carried it everywhere. Um, definitely get yourself a one liter water bottle. Um, look out for sales. So uh, I did a hell of a lot of research in the lead up to Black Friday, knowing that I wanted to purchase all of the big ticket items in the Black Friday sales. So pending when your little one is due or when you are pregnant, look out for Boxing Day, end of financial year, um, Black Friday sales and try and purchase everything that you can. It is so overwhelming. So get there have it all ready to go and you're just literally waiting for the discount. Um, We had the Pregnancy Plus app, which is really great. It's a week by week, um, shows you what bubs would look like and what their major developments are. And I think that's a really nice way for the partners to connect as well, especially before they can feel any movements. That was cool. Luke really enjoyed that. Yeah, Wednesdays would kick this thing out. Like, yeah. Oh, where is he at? <laughs> What's he look like? Nine. Where's he at? What's growing? Why do I feel so crappy? Oh, it's a big, big growth spurt. Um, definitely prep for birth early. So whether you want to do a hypnobirthing course or any sort of birth course, um, look at that. Look at where it falls in with your dates early on. Um, I wasn't able to do a physical in-person hypnobirthing course because it fell across the major event that I work on. So um, for us, we had to do a lot of online, but definitely look into it early so that you know exactly the provider you want to go with and you can sign up and be all ready. And definitely if you can take a mini break, a baby moon, a holiday, whatever you want to call it with your partner before bubs arrives, I would definitely encourage you to. I think it's a really nice way to um, spend time together, but then also um, relax before they arrive. And if you can finish work a little bit earlier, I finished four weeks before, and that was a perfect amount of time in the end, um, just in case your little one decides to arrive early and it gives you enough time to look after you and really relax because that third trimester is really important as well. Um, And interestingly enough, so we had a baby queue, which is kind of like a baby shower, but um, I had partners there um, at 35 weeks. And fun fact, you're actually bigger as in your belly size around that 35, 36 week mark, 37, then opposed you, then you are full term because then you've dropped. So I was immensely uncomfortable and I was really struggling to get around. So think of that when you're planning your baby queue, baby shower, if you do want to do something as well, because I always thought in my head, I will feel heaviest and most uncomfortable at the end because that's what you hear. And whilst I couldn't walk at the end because the right side of my pelvis was just destroyed. Um, I felt quite average around that 35 weeks. So that's my little um, 
She's getting gonged. Info in a nutshell. Gong every time she comes to the podcast, they go for two hours. Sorry, so, you know people's attention spans like half an hour. You know what Sorry. I mean? Sorry, she loves a yarn. This woman. You can imagine Catch how up. it is at the household. I can't get a word. <laughs> I just sit here in silence. No, it's good to have a um, it's good to have a guest that can actually talk and elaborate on things. Thanks, Baba. No so make sure you stay tuned for the next edition. Which what's the next edition? Our birth podcast. Birth podcast. And I promise you what we're going to do is we're going to work on talking a little less. Sorry. The, 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 the problem is, is that I yarn and Courtney yarn. So when we both come together, it adds up to one very long, over the top, don't have time for it yarn. So we both need to work on kind of shortening things up. If you're still here listening to this, well, maybe you love the long yarn, but Next one, um, we're going to work short on and sharp. Make it short and sharp because I think our first one was an hour and 45. I don't even know what this one is, but I'm just feeling, it's feeling long. It's feeling <laughs> real long. But anyway, stay tuned for the next one. Catch you then. See you. Hey there, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure you click subscribe to stay up to date with podcasts that I release every couple of weeks. And if you've enjoyed the the episode, please, I really, really appreciate it if you leave me a review. And you can also find me on Instagram at Luke underscore page.